thank you that you are here. Father, we thank you that you uh, desire to meet with us, to have relationship with us. Father, you desire us, uh, for us to have a hope and a future. Father, to know uh, that intimacy of relationship with you. Father, that we can come to you and turn to you in the good times and in the bad times. And so, Father, we pray today that as we come and just consider your word uh, this morning again for a short while, Father, that you would open our eyes and ears spiritually to hear uh, what you would say to us. Father, may our hearts be receptive to what you want to say. And Lord, we just pray uh, that you would be glorified in all that is said and done in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to think about wisdom and where to find it. Oh, sorry, that was last week's message, wasn't it? Who was listening? It is last week's message, but it's continued. This is part two, okay? Just in case you think I'm having a senior moment, okay? Because last, last week we thought about wisdom and how to find it, and we talked about uh, in the Proverbs where it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We thought about how that wisdom that we need for life comes as we enter into a relationship with God. That's where it starts, we thought about the fact that we're all sinners, that we've all fallen short of God's standard, that we need a Savior, and that Jesus is that Savior. And when we turn to Him and we just confess our sins, we uh, repent of those, and we ask God into our hearts, then we'll be saved. We recognize that we, we have somebody in our lives that is far greater than we are. And He is the Lord, and He is our Savior, and it's just incredible. But first, with Jesus. If you've never experienced it, you need to experience it. But first, some words from the wise, or maybe not, okay? You can judge for yourselves. Does anybody recognize who that is in the picture? <laughs> yes, Dion. <laughs> Big Muppet fan. I believe you came down the, you came down the aisle of a Muppet song, did you not? Oh, you went back up the aisle. So here's some words from the wise. Experience is what you get immediately after you needed it most. Have you ever found that? Yeah? Just after you need it, that's when you get it. Never under any circumstances take a sleeping pill and a laxative on the same night. <laughs> wise advice, okay? Thirdly, if you look like your passport picture, you really do need that holiday, okay? For those of us who are hoarders, okay, junk is something that you've kept for years and throw away just before you need it. Have you ever noticed that? Where's that? Oh, I threw it out two weeks ago. That happens to me all the time. Mary, you need to let me hoard stuff. Uh, okay, okay. Never be afraid to try something new. Remember that a lone amateur built the ark a large group of professionals built the Titanic. Yeah. Don't worry about what people think. They don't do it very often. And lastly, artificial intelligence is no match for natural stupidity. <laughs> okay. No, no inference at all, okay? Just so that you know, I'm not talking about people in here. So we're going to think a little bit about wisdom, and I think there's an incredible wisdom in the world. Even people who don't know Jesus, there's incredible wisdom in our world. I, I think, think about uh, uh, what some of the ancient peoples achieved. You know, you see the pyramids there. 
Uh, see if you go into study the pyramids, you realize they actually knew about mathematics then. The number pi comes up and all the angles and stuff like that. Did you know that? It's absolutely incredible. And these people did this without calculators, without computers. Uh, just phenomenal. And then recently we've just celebrated uh, 50 years since uh, we landed on the moon. Not us, personally, the royal we, okay? And I just think it's incredible. And the technology that got them there... I would have been scared to go with that type of technology. Um, and and then this, this, is a, this amazes me. The fact that we can actually design prosthetic limbs and that people achieve incredible things with them. It's just phenomenal. I see these, there was a guy um, on TV and he was rock climbing. And he was doing, I think he was doing the speed climbing. And he was doing it with prosthetics. And I thought, it's just phenomenal. The things that we can do and the wisdom uh, that's in our world is incredible. But we're told not to conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed through the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Being transformed through the renewing of our minds. You know, the easiest thing in the world, we read that Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it's on the screen there. The easiest thing in the world is to conform to the pattern of what we see around us. It's so, so easy. You know, the Bible talks about, when it talks about salvation, it talks about a broad road and it talks about a narrow road. And it says, broad is the path that leads to destruction but narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few people find it. It's so easy to walk the broad path along beside everybody else, but we're told not to conform to the world. What does it mean to conform? It means to behave in a way that's socially acceptable, or to be similar, similar in the way that we look, dress, talk, think, act, all these types of things. You know, especially when we're growing up, we just want to fit in, don't we? I forgot what it was like to grow up. It was so long ago. But we just want to fit in. We want to be like our pals. We want to like the things that our pals like. Did you ever do that when you were a child? When you went to your pal's house for dinner and they says, oh, I really love, you know, pickles. And you go, so do I. I love pickles too. And they go, I hate pickles, really. <laughs> but you do it because you want to fit in. We all want to fit in. We want to be accepted. But as Christians, we should be different in our conversation and in our conduct to the people around us who are not Christians. You know, Johannes Kepler, preferred scientist, he discovered the laws of planetary motion. And he said this, I much prefer the sharpest criticism of a single intelligent man to the thoughtless approval of the masses. Think about that. Artificial intelligence, rank stupidity, Sometimes, as I heard, we can be a bit slow. Have you ever noticed that? We can go with the flow, even though the flow is going in the wrong direction. And how much better the words of somebody who's wise, they may criticize us, but if they do it in love with the right heart, then we can receive that and we can grow and we can change. On the contrary, we are encouraged to be transformed through the renewing of our minds. It's a process where we allow God to influence and change the way that we think, change the attitudes that we adopt, and ultimately change our priorities and our behavior. 
And the result is that we know God's will, God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Sometimes I hear people say, I heard God speak to me, and when you listen to what God said, you go, I don't think that sounded like God. And sometimes people are saying, God spoke to me about this, and you go, but there's this area of your life that's needing sorted out. I think God would be more interested in putting his finger on that and say, get that sorted, and then I'll take you on to the next thing. We know God's will by being transformed through the renewing of our minds. Wisdom comes through a process, and it takes time. Did anybody ever suddenly become wise? Were you born wise? Was anybody in here born wise? Who said yes? Yeah. <laughs> Fibber. Do you know, I, and back in, back in 2014, I don't know if you remember this, I spoke on events versus process. Does anybody remember that yeah. message? Well done, Steve Giorgio. Top of the class. You might not remember the message, but you might remember that it was the year that Andy Murray won Wimbledon. And there was that shot as he just knocked the ball over the, uh, over the what do you call that thing? Net? Net? Okay. Yeah. What do umpires and babies have in common? They both sit in a high chair and shout juice. Okay. I'll stick to the sermon and not the jokes. Andy Murray won Wimbledon, which was an event, but preceding that event was years and years of process, years of eating the right stuff, training, disciplining, exercising, playing tennis, watching his opponents, learning, years and years of process in order to get to that moment where he won Wimbledon. Years and years of dedication, sometimes disappointment, but always with vision and determination. Everything that we gain in life is a process. Physical growth takes time. Intentionality, nourishing our bodies, sleeping, exercising, resting, relating to others, thinking. All of these things are process. To grow mentally and emotionally, emotionally is a process that involves us experiencing the world, people, relationships, and learning. And even growing spiritually as a process, and it involves us worshipping, praying, meditating on Scripture, not doing the hum thing, okay, and emptying our minds so that anything can come in, okay? We're meditating prayerfully. What is God taking God's Word and actually sitting and pondering what that actually says prayerfully? What is God actually saying through His Word to me today? Daily devotions. I can't underestimate the importance of getting before God every single day, reading His Word. It might only be one passage. You might meditate on one passage for a whole week or a whole month. That's fine. We need to be in that place where we're receiving from God. And it's in that process that we gain wisdom and that we grow. Process always takes time. And the process that I'm talking about today can be articulated using a diagram, which I'm going to put up on the screen. I learned about this when I was doing my HNC and training development at night school. And uh, there's a man called David Kolb who came up with this uh, theory, this kind of cycle of learning which he talks about. And it's not just about physical, it could be relational, emotional, spiritual, work-related, family-related. It could be stopping to watch the sun go down. Or if you're really, really brave, getting up early enough to see it coming up as it's up so early these days. 
And he starts with this bit up here called experience. We need to do something in order to get experience. And in those moments of experience, we, ex we have feelings, all sorts of feelings. And often for the first time in experiences, those things become memories. Have you ever noticed that? Like riding a bike for the first time. Do you remember riding a bike for the first time? Some people don't remember that. I remember it clearly because for me, I was at the top of a hill and I'm on my bike, no stabilizers for the first time and I start to go down the hill and I get to the bottom of the hill and there's a T-junction. <laughs> the problem was that nobody told me how to turn the bike. So when I got to the bottom of the hill, I went crashing straight into the bushes. What do you do when you have an experience like that? You get back up and you try again, don't you? You go, what went wrong there? Okay, and I'll come to this as we get around the cycle. What went wrong there? Somebody needs to tell me how I turn when I get to the bottom of the hill. And the person who's with me says, oh, that's really easy. You just need to lean the bike and you'll go around. I was like, sounds easy enough. Back up to the top of the hill, ready to go. Cycling down the hill, get to the bottom. And I think, here it is, here's the moment. Lean, and lo and behold, Round the corner I went. I was like, yes, mastered it. Okay, you might not remember your first time riding a bike, but I remember mine. You might remember all sorts of things, like the first girl you asked out, or the first boy that asked you out. I'm being old-fashioned, am not I? These days, it doesn't need to be the boy that asked the girl, I think. I remember, <laughs> I remember the first girl I asked out. I was too scared to ask her out. And I actually asked one of my friends to ask her out for me. And this is really bizarre. She came into the room that we were in. We were away in a primary seven camp up at Newton Moore. We were in the hotel room. This was the boys' dorm, bunk beds and all that jazz. And she came into the room, and my friend Stephen, another Stephen, asked Dawn, uh, he wants to go out with you, you go out with him. She says, aye, okay. And then she walked back out, and I was like, yes. And I'm like, why didn't I ask her myself? Two chicken. But you remember things like this, experiences. You need to be actually doing something to have an experience. Sometimes we experience difficult situations and we wish we could change them, but actually sometimes those difficult situations are the things that define us. So experience is followed by a time of reflection. Those who know me well, you'll know that I like to reflect I like to think about things. Sometimes I can think too long. Robert, don't give me a row, okay? Some people, some people, some people go through this stage really, really quickly, okay? Uh, the reflection stage. But we need to think about the experience that we've just had. We need to sometimes hear the observations of other people, others who are wise, and hopefully we should be wise enough and willing enough to listen to what other people have to say to us. Have you ever noticed, though, sometimes we focus on the negatives? We can do something. So I could preach today, okay? And nine people could come up to me after the service and say, oh, that was great. That was really encouraging. Thank you for that. And one person goes, that was rubbish. What have you been doing all week? Who am I going to remember when we go away? I'm going to remember that was rubbish. What have you been doing all week? Just it's the way we're wired. Maybe it's because we don't trust the people who say, oh, that was really good. And you're like, oh, they're just flanneling me. They're just saying. 
Is it because we don't trust people? Or is it sometimes that we're just wired to remember the thing that somebody said about us that just kind of sticks there? You know, we should be able to receive criticism, to receive wise advice from other people. And sometimes other people reflecting on our experience can speak into it. But we, we need to take that time to reflect on our experience. Maybe something that's went really well, something that's not went so well. And then we need to conceptualize. We need to think about what we've been thinking about. Do you get that? We need to come to some sort of conclusions about what we've been thinking about. It's all good and well thinking about the experience, but if we don't draw any conclusions from it, we're not really learning from it. So we need to get an idea of some sort of conclusion. The conclusion might be, I'm not going to do that again. Or I'll try doing it this way the next time when we come up with an idea. It involves engaging our brains and thinking. Isn't it incredible that God designed us with a brain to think? Yeah? That means yes. Okay? God has given us a brain to think intelligently, which is why people in their creativity can build pyramids, go to the, go to the moon, and, and can do all sorts of incredible things. Because we have a brain, and God's given us the faculty to use it. And using our brain takes physical energy. Stephen Turnbull taught me this. I never even thought about it before. That even when we're sitting watching the TV, our brains whirring away processing images. So if you sit, if you sit down at the TV and think you're relaxing, it's going a million miles an hour, processing so much information all the time. Even when some people are sleeping, they're still going, talking in their sleep. Some people, is anybody talking in their sleep? Some people talk in their sleep. And it takes physical energy to use our brains. It's a big, massive computer processing all sorts of information all the time. What we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste, what we touch, what we're sensing, what we're feeling from other people, and all that type of stuff. And how we, do, how we deal with that information has a lot to do with our ingrained patterns of thinking. And this is where we come back to that verse about being transformed through the renewing of our minds. You see, we get into ruts in our thinking. Let me give you an example. This is a pathway cutting the grass. Now, if you'd been trying to walk through this field without this pathway, yesterday, not only would you have got soaked, you'd have found it quite difficult. But the more you walk this pathway back and forth, the more it gets worn into a path, and the easier it becomes. And it's exactly like that with our brains. We wear pathways in our brains. It's like, it's like we access the same kind of information all the time. That can be the positive thing that somebody said about us, or it can be the negative thing that somebody said about you. If you keep going back and forth to that negative thing, it becomes a pathway like this, well-worn in our brains, and it takes a massive amount of effort it might take a massive amount of prayer and God doing something to actually change those negative pathways in our heads. We can develop good pathways and we can develop negative pathways. What does the Bible say? In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says that we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. The thoughts that appear in our heads times are wear out in our brains and our thinking sometimes are negative, destructive pathways, and we need to learn to take every thought captive. 
don't know if you've ever experienced this, a thought appears in my head and I think, where did that come from? I can't believe that came from my own thinking. And right away, I'm like, God, please forgive me for that thought. I don't even know where it came from. I don't even know if it's my thought, but it's horrible. Please forgive me for that thought. Take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. He is the one who has accomplished all this for us. The fact that we can come into a relationship with him, that we can worship together as family, it's all been accomplished through Jesus. And he is the one that we make it subject to. In Ephesians, another slightly different verse, it says that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Sometimes we wear a negative, negative track in our own thinking about ourselves. And we think down on ourselves. And we give ourselves a hard time. And actually God is saying that we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works to the world. This is probably why it's for us to do. Think about that. Before God created the world, this is probably why it came out earlier in what I was saying. Before God created the world, he had planned things for you to do, experiences for you to have, things for you to reflect on, things for you to say, I'm going to change that, I'm going to do it differently the next time. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Memorize the Bible. We should be in a place where the Bible is becoming like that well-worn track where we can access that scripture when we need it. When those negative thoughts come, when somebody says you can't do that, when your own thoughts say, you can't do that, and then you hear the Holy Spirit bringing that word from within you that you've memorized and learned, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, which says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's got to be there to start with. It's got to be like that well-worn track. It's got to be there for the Holy Spirit to be able to bring that out in us. And we quote it, and then we realize that we're using the sword of the Spirit to come against our enemy. Lastly, we test the things that we're learning. And if we miss any of these stages out, then we find sometimes that we're getting stuck in things. Sometimes we're struggling to kind of reflect on an experience and it's like, I can't get perspective on this and we need somebody to help us. I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know what to do different. Somebody can come and help us with that. But we need to realize that this process takes effort and it takes time and it's a continual process. As soon as we sort of say we're going to do something different, then we get back into that experience thing where we feel and then we reflect and we form ideas about it and then we, we test that by doing different things. And it's this continual process of learning and developing and for, for the sake of today's message, growing in God and growing in wisdom. Um, I talked about when I learned to ride a bike, okay? I remember very vividly crashing into that bush. Um, I had another experience recently on my bike where I fell off. It was two weeks ago. And uh, that's why I had the, the sore shoulder. So I, had, I won that bowling with a sore shoulder. Can you believe that? That's amazing. In this experience, I realized something at the time. I don't bounce anymore, Okay? <laughs> 
In that experience, I'm lying on the deck, covered in mud, the bruises to prove it, thinking, what have I broken now? I was like, oh no, here we go again. What have I done this time? Fortunately, I hadn't broken anything. But it was an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to experience something. See, Josh did something that I thought I could do as well. Just the, the problem is he's a lot fitter than me and he's a lot more capable than me at these things. So I would, then went into a time of reflection. I still had the injuries as a reminder. So I was like, oh, wow. And then I also had Josh's observations in the situation. Yeah, big dafty, what did you do that for? No, he, <laughs> he, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He says, I think what happened is your front wheel turned. And so when you came down, it was squinty and blah, blah, blah. Over you went. It was my uh, observations myself as I was reflecting on this experience that my feet came off the pedals and didn't come back down onto the pedals. So that was a problem. And I'm thinking, okay. And also that I lacked confidence going into the situation. Like, I'm going to give this a go, but I'm a wee bit scared, okay? And because I lack confidence going in, and I'm thinking about all these things and thinking, what do I need to do differently the next time? <laughs> I begin to conceptualize. I begin to think, okay, what am I going to do different? The difference is that I need to commit the next time. I need to not be lacking in confidence. I probably need to go faster. That's, you think that's a daft idea, but actually in this situation, I probably did need to go faster. I need to get better pedals. I need to keep my wheels straight. I need to do all these things when I do this the next time. Have I done it yet? Well, I've not got to stage number four, right? I've not tested my theory. A, because I've not got new pedals, and uh, that'll come later, uh, hopefully. And uh, the other reason is I was just too chicken to try it out, okay? <laughs> test it. But what did I do? Get back in the bike again, because I thought, I don't want to not get back in my bike just because something went wrong. And have you ever experienced that in life where something goes wrong and you think, I'm never doing that again? Right? You have a bad conversation with somebody and you say, I'm never talking to that person again. And actually, we need to remember that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There's a spiritual enemy. Sometimes it works through us to accomplish his purposes instead of God's. What am I going to do? I'm going to test this theory. I'm going to go back to the same spot and I'm going to try it again. With shoulder pads this time, I, uh, I'll put on my suit for the 80s. That's got shoulder pads. Anyway, I'm not kidding. But just an example of how you experience something and how you go through these stages and you reflect on it. Another example, I don't know if MD saw uh, Expedition with Steve Bachel. Has MD saw that program? It's been on Dave the last three weeks. It'll be on tonight again. And uh, the last one, I, I kind of sometimes think Steve Bachel hams it up a wee bit. He's like, oh, this is really dangerous. And I'm looking at it thinking... I don't think it's that dangerous. However, in this episode, the, the one that was on last Sunday, it really was a dangerous situation because he was kayaking uh, in a, 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 a river in Bhutan and it's all white water. It's really, it really is dangerous, okay? And he had this experience which I found very moving, very, very powerful. And you could see in the program as he was going into this situation, he was about to hit a really deep waterfall. So he's, he's, he's canoeing down. If I could show you the clip, I would, right? So he, first, of all, first of all, he gets stuck 
And he, I think he gets somebody to help him out of that, and he's going down, and he's having to push himself off this big, massive cliff wall, and this white water's pouring down, and you can see that he's scared. And he's trying to canoe, and he's kind of canoeing half-heartedly, and he goes over the waterfall, and he gets stuck in the waterfall. And then the next thing you see is his kayak bobbing up and down with him stuck in the kayak, and he couldn't get out. He was up and down probably about 10 or 15 times. He says his lungs were starting to fill with water, and it actually took one of his friends to rescue him. They got, they canoed really quickly, got out of the boat, threw him a rope, and he was able to grab hold of that rope, and they were able to pull him out of the water. It was, it was terrifying to watch. And you could see in his face that he was genuinely scared. He had this experience that actually he thought, I'm, I'm not going to get out of this. I'm not going to make this. And it was interesting as they reflected around the campfire. Same process, again, experience, uh, reflection. They're sitting around the campfire, and they're thinking about what could have happened. This was nearly the end for me, and he's talking about this. He says, however, it was still, on the other hand, one of the most exciting and exhilarating days of my life. Yeah, this going down a river that nobody has ever explored before. Because he, he thought as a young person, as a child, there's nothing left for me to explore. If you listen to him talking about his story, there's nothing left in the world to explore. And here he is going down a, a river that nobody's ever kayaked before. And he says, on the one hand, I nearly died, but on the other hand, it was the most exhilarating day of my life because I survived. And then he begins to kind of conceptualize and the group begin to say that. And, and they say that, you know, just because the rapids are there, we don't need to attack everyone. We can get out and we can walk and uh, we can go round. But what does he do? What does Steve Backshall do? What do you think he did? What do you think he did? <laughs> he got back in the kayak and he went for it. And you can see at some points the apprehension in him because he's reflected on this experience. He's thinking, I'm never going to see my wee boy again and all this kind of stuff. And yet, even despite that, he gets back in and he goes for it. And without necessarily thinking about it, we all go through this process of experiencing things, reflecting on them, forming ideas about them, and trying out new things. We go through that all the time. And as we do that, we grow in wisdom. Well, hopefully we grow in wisdom. If we get stuck at some point in that process, then we maybe need somebody to give us a wee nudge and a wee push. This is what the Bible says. We're thinking about difficult experiences. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. The reality is for each of us, we go through difficult situations, difficult experiences in life. They're not all good. But often in the difficult times, it's where we really learn things and it's where we grow. And James encourages us to consider it pure joy. Does anybody consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds? Anybody? Does, show me that. Uh, I mean, anybody consider it pure joy when you face trials? Okay. Uh, I'm in good company then because I don't enjoy it when I face trials. But James is encouraging us when we face these experiences in life, and sometimes they can be near-death experiences, to consider it pure joy. Think about the early apostles. We read this in Acts chapter 5. And uh, they were arrested. They were going to be, I mean, things were really, really difficult for the early apostles. And this is what it says, that this man called Gamaliel 
They were debating what they were going to do with him. This man, Gamaliel, intervened. He says, his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Oh, joy. I wonder if the church would be like it is today if that's what we faced for being witnesses for Christ. Do you think the church would be like it is today if that were the consequences, if that's what we were going to experience? They were flogged, and then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. What did they do when they went back out? They spoke the name of Jesus. They had the experience. They reflected on it. They decided, we're going to keep doing what we're going to do. They might have done it slightly differently, but they get back out and they talked about Jesus. And it says here in verse 41 of Acts chapter 5 that the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, capital N for name. Talking about Jesus. They rejoiced because they had been counted worthy to suffer. Oh, wow. These guys had something that we need to get because most of us wouldn't consider it pure joy. And each time we face a trial and when we grow, it develops perseverance within us. And I think we can develop perseverance in all sorts of ways, but there's something about trials and testing that helps us to grow. And then it goes on to say, I'm almost finished. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, we all want to be mature. We all want to be wise. But we need to realize that in order to get there, there's that process of experiencing things and reflecting and forming ideas and and doing things different. There's a a process that we need to enter into. We all need to be doing something something in order to grow. And when we do that, we find that it builds a well of resource within us that we can draw from when times are tough. It develops a well of resource within us that other people can draw from when it's tough. Did you know that? When we go through difficulties, other people can benefit from those difficulties that we've experienced and how we've come through them. You know, Sarah was away last week and she talked about a song that the, the, one of the choirs had been learning, thought to be, the words th- thought to be written by a sur- survivor of, of uh, the concentration camps. And it starts off by saying this, I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. Even though the clouds are out today, the sun is still there. Where is it? Behind the clouds. It's still there. I believe in the sun even though it's not shining. And I believe in love even when there's no one there when there's nobody there, does that change the fact that God is a God of love? The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, I think, that God is love. God is love. I believe in love even when there's no one there, no one else to share it, express it. And then finally, in this part of the, the, the poem, it says, and I believe in God even when he's silent. Have you ever experienced times like that in your life where you think, I really need to hear what you're saying just now. And we need to really press in because we're struggling to hear what God is saying. You ever been there? I've been there. And you just want somebody to come and say, this is what God's saying to you. But it's not always that easy because we need to press in to the process. We need to experience God for ourselves. 
We need to spend that time in His presence so that we experience God directly for ourselves. And when we do that, we begin to think about what God was saying, who God is, and then we hopefully begin to say, I'm going to do that again. I'm maybe going to spend a bit longer this time because I really want to hear what God is saying to me. Pressing in, because it's in the pressing into the process that we become mature and complete. I think if life is just one easy big sail through, then we don't grow. No problems, that's the kind of life I want. Never another problem in life. Will I ever change and grow? Probably not, because life will be too easy. God has given us the capacity to deal with the problems. And then to think about this process, if we just think about it in 2D as a circle, then we're just going round in circles. But the reality is that it's not a circle. It's about growing and changing as we go on. And God, we experience things, we reflect. And then we find that we have bigger experiences and more to reflect on. And we're growing all the time in God. What does the Bible say? Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Let me read it from the New Living Translation. It says, if you're faithful in the little things you'll be faithful in the larger ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. There's a process of growing in God. You might think, okay, I'm going to go to Africa and I'm going to preach to thousands of people and they're all going to get saved and baptized with the Spirit and then there's going to be a revival breakout. I would quite like to do that. I would really like to do that but am I faithful in the small things first? Am I faithful to preaching to the people who are in my family? Am I faithful to sharing God with those who are closest to me? You see, if we can't get it right in the small thing, how are we ever going to get it right in the big thing? God puts us into situations where we have an opportunity to experience Him, to experience what He wants to do in us in that situation. We have the opportunity to be faithful. But in order to have experiences, you need to be doing something. You'll never have an experience if you're sitting on your sofa watching your telly, letting your brain use lots of energy and not actually accomplishing anything, unless you're watching Steve Batchel, which becomes an illustration for a sermon, which I didn't think about at the time when I was watching it. But in order to have experiences, we need to be doing something. What are you doing for God? What have you done this week for God? What experience have you launched out into this week? Have you grown in your faith since this time last year? That's an interesting question. Have you grown in your faith since this time last year? There's a question to reflect on. Somebody's got a wee tune going. There's a question to reflect on. Have you changed as a Christian in the last year? And if so, how? And if so, what caused you to change? I'll bet if you've been having an easy life and nothing's been going on, you're pretty much the same as you were last year. But if there's been difficulties and you've had to press into God, God's been speaking to you and you've been growing in God and you find that actually you're a different person from you were last year. Maybe we can even say last week depending on what's been happening. Have you grown in your faith? 
Has it been hard or easy? If it's been hard, then the word says to you today, be still and know that I am God. God says to you, be still and know that he's God. He's still in control. He's still on the throne. Let's just pray as we uh, draw time to a close. The musicians are going to come back up. And uh, let's just bow our heads in prayer uh, this morning. Father, we just thank you that you love us and that you care for us and that you have called us to walk this Christian life with you. Father, that you have called us into a relationship with you. Father, that in that relationship, you sustain us, you strengthen us, you allow us to go through things, Father, in order for us to grow and develop as people, to grow in our faith, to grow in our understanding of ourselves and others. Father, we grow in so many ways. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us when we're in the difficult situation, when we're experiencing difficult times. Father, help us to draw aside and to really seek you to hear what you're saying in that difficult time. Father, maybe for some of us, we need to stop praying, get me out of this situation and start praying, what are you trying to say to me in this situation? Father, give us the courage to pray that prayer. Give us the strength to pray that prayer. Give us the wisdom, Father, to pray that prayer. And Lord, we pray that in all things our lives would bring glory to you. And Father, we just pray, help us to really lean into to who you are and what you have for us. Father, we just pray your blessing on every person who's here today, Father, every, fam- every family that's represented, every boy and girl, our wider relations, Father. Lord, we pray your blessing on them. Lord, for those who don't know you yet, Father, we pray that they would come to know you. We pray that you give us the words to share with them, that you give us wisdom to know what to say and when to say it. Sometimes when not to say something as well. Father, give us that wisdom. And Lord, we pray for our loved ones. And Lord, each of us in here today have loved ones that we pray for. And we really believe that you will bring them to that knowledge of you. Lord, we pray that your hand would be upon them, that you'd draw them to yourself. And Father, that they would experience you coming into their lives and know the joy and excitement of being a follower of Jesus. And so Father, we just pray Uh, that you'd help us to really step into all the things that you have for us this week. Lord, some of us are going to face uh, difficult situations, awkward situations, uh, whether it's relationally or or otherwise. Lord, we pray, give us the strength to face those situations that we might grow in wisdom and grow in our understanding of you. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.